Bank of America tops expectations. Home builder sediment falls. The World Bank cuts expectations. We cover the biggest analyst calls of the day and the latest Twitter drama. A Florida judge overturns the CDC mask mandate and a digital fund is seeking to tokenize the S&P 500. This is the Running With The Money briefing. Let's get into it. Not a question of enough, pal. It's a zero-sum game. Somebody wins, somebody loses. I have been a rich man, and I have been a poor man, and I chose rich every time. Money never sleeps, pal. Just made 800000 in Hong Kong gold. There are three ways to make a living in this business. First, be smarter or cheaper. What is up and welcome to another episode of the Running With The Money Briefing powered by Pine on the Table. I'm your host, Luke Donay, and we're back. We're back here covering the markets and what in the world the markets are doing today. The Dow Jones finishing down 39 points, NASDAQ down 18, and the S&P 500 down 0.9. So really just a bunch of chop on the day, but there was some strength if you go sector by sector. What we see, energy, the number one outperformer on the day, up 0.93%. Meanwhile, healthcare, absolutely getting crushed, down 1.47%. If you're wondering about one of the most popular sectors in the market, technology, that was pretty much a do-nothing day, down just 0.03%. Now, shifting into the biggest headlines of the day, of course, we have to cover those Bank of America earnings we got this morning. So, they delivered an EPS of $0.80 per share, beating the expectation of $0.75 per share, profit declining 12% year over year, the $7.07 billion, and I want to note there... When it comes to profit, that every bank has been reporting declining profit. So this has been a pattern. Revenue coming in at $23.33 billion, up 1.8% year over year, and beating the expectation of $23.2 billion that was set by the analyst for the quarter. Net loan charge-offs coming in at $392 million, down 52% year over year, and half or basically half of the $848.7 million estimate from analyst and a net loan charge-off is really all that happens when borrowers fall behind on their payments if you didn't know. Now, we did hear from Bank of America's CFO, Alistair Borthwick, and he went on to say, quote, first quarter results were strong despite challenging markets and volatility, which we believe reflect the value of our responsible growth strategy. Asset quality continued to remain strong with net charge-offs and about half of a year ago quarter amount. So, Bank of America reporting pretty solid numbers. Now, let's dig a little deeper. Now, Bank of America reporting fixed income traders. They posted revenue of $2.65 billion. That roughly matched the estimate of $2.69 billion for the quarter. Equities revenue coming in at $2 billion, which beat the expectation by a long shot of $400 million. So a big time beat there. And really, Bank of America noted that that was due to not only higher client activity, but I found this interesting, strong derivatives results. So something to pay attention to there. An interesting note when it comes to those 
equities revenues. And then finally, investment banking fees. Those dropped actually much more than expected by 35% to $1.5 billion. The estimate was $1.74 billion. Now, shifting into home builder sediment that continues to fall. So if you take a look at builder confidence in the market for new single family homes, that fell two points to 77 points in the month of April. And that is according to the National Association of Home Builders and Wells Fargo Housing Market Index. Now, I want to give you a little detail on this. So any reading on this index over 50 is pretty much positive sediment. It's determined positive sediment. And it's also important to note that this decline also marks the fourth straight month of declines within this index. Now, this index stood at 83 in April of 2021. So since then, you've pretty much just had continuous declines or gradual declines of that builder confidence, specifically in that new single family homes market. Now, I also want to dig into current sales conditions that fell two points to 85 points. Builder traffic dropped six points to 60 points. And sales expectations within the next six months actually increased three points to 73 following a 10-point drop that occurred in March. Now, thanks to CNBC, they got some commentary from NAHB chairman Jerry Conter, a building and developer of Savannah, Georgia. So, What did this builder and developer out of Savannah, Georgia have to say about these numbers? He went on to say, quote, despite low existing inventory, builders reported sales traffic and current sales conditions have declined to their lowest points since last summer as a sharp jump in mortgage rates and persistent supply chain disruptions continue to unsettle the housing market. And do note that a lot of this housing data is all coming in. All of these declines are coming in as these mortgage rates continue to rise. In fact, the average rate on the 30-year fixed mortgage, well, that set around 3.9% at the beginning of March. And now, according to the sources, it's up to roughly 5.15%. Yes, that's right, 5.15%. So that's a drastic increase in that 30-year fixed mortgages and mortgage rates broadly, and that's going to have a big-time effect when it comes to the housing market. So keep an eye on that. Now, shifting into the World Bank, cutting global growth expectations. So today, the World Bank lowering their annual global growth forecast for the year of 2022 by nearly a full percentage point to 3.2% from 4.1%. So a pretty drastic decrease there in growth expectations for the global economy. Now, what did they cite? Well, the top source of this decline, of this cut that the World Bank noted on and touched on was that you have this Russian invasion of Ukraine and those effects on the global economy. In fact, due to that, they are expecting a contraction of 4.1% in the economies of Europe and Central Asia. And that was really their key point here and why they expect lower global economic growth. Now, I do want to know, they cited a few other key factors, higher food cost, higher fuel cost, and they also noted those sanctions on Russian energy and disruptions in Ukrainian agriculture, all building up to the slowdown in global economic growth, specifically centered in Europe and Central Asia. 
Now, the World Bank also went on to say that they are, quote, preparing for a continued crisis response given the multiple crises. And over the next few weeks, I expect to discuss with our board a new 15-month crisis response envelope of around $170 billion to cover April 2022 through June 2023. And by the way, that quote was from the World Bank President David Malpass today. So the World Bank cutting global growth expectations on the back of this Russian invasion of Ukraine, which of course that situation continues to worsen, it seems. Now, shifting into the biggest analyst calls of the day, Bank of America reiterated Microsoft as a buy. The firm went on to say, quote, while we expect sustained strength in the Azure and 365 franchises, we are lowering our Q4 in full year 2023 estimates for F and potential impact from the Russia-Ukraine war. So, while Bank of America is still bullish on Microsoft, they are recognizing those headwinds for Q4 and full year 2023 as something to note. We also had Piper Sandler reiterating Tesla and Rivian as overweight today. The firm went on to say, quote, Rivian seems singularly aware of what it takes to be the next Tesla. Vertical integration is costly and there are no shortcuts. In its early days, Tesla dealt with delays, quality problems, and staggering cash burn. Rivian must endure this period just as Tesla did. And I want to touch on that note real quick because even in this note, they make it sound easy to do and replicate what Tesla did when it comes to scaling. And I definitely urge everyone listening to this podcast to go do a little research on what Elon Musk specifically as a CEO had to navigate Tesla through and the amount of times that that company was nearly bankrupt before they became as successful as they were today. It's a phenomenal story on business scaling a company specifically in the auto industry and honestly, it is quite shocking. So go dig into that story. Now, shifting into Morgan Stanley, reiterating Robinhood as equal weight. The firm went on to say, quote, viewed as a play on providing financial services to Gen Y and Z by the bulls, investor sentiment skews cautious with debate centered around pace of user growth and ability to increase customer monetization with new products to inflect profitability. We are equal weight as we see near-term challenges and lack of visibility. So Morgan Stanley reiterating Robinhood as equal weight. Now, shifting into a call at a Needham, reiterating Uber as a buy, the firm went on to say, quote, our top long picks are Uber, buy conviction list with a price target of $68, where we like the balance of growth and profitability trading at an attractive adjusted EBITDA multiple. So it's pretty much a valuation call here by Needham. Oppenheimer reiterated Coinbase has outperformed today as well. Oppenheimer went on to say, quote, we believe the bear thesis is way overblown and that this creates an opportunity for long-term investors to get into one of the most disruptive companies in the market at what we see as a very attractive valuation. So a big-time valuation call here from Oppenheimer. They believe the bears have pounded Coinbase far too much to the downside and are reiterating it as outperform. We also had Loop reiterating Amazon as a buy today. The firm went on to say, quote, on the AWS front, we think it is becoming clear that Amazon will not be able to deploy its budget for server CapEx this year due to supply constraints. This should lead to strong AWS margins, typically a positive for Amazon share price performance. So, 
Loop liking what they see in the future for Amazon, specifically in relation to AWS. And then our final analyst call of the day is out of Wells Fargo, reiterating Netflix as overweight. On this call, they are really taking a wait-and-see approach. They go on to say, quote, we think firmer Netflix theses will arrive after a half year of net ads have been delivered this summer. And this all comes ahead of these Netflix earnings tomorrow, Tuesday. So keep an eye on those. Now, shifting away from the biggest analyst calls of the day, I want to talk about this Twitter drama. My, oh my, it is taking over the market. So former Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey, well, guess what? He decided to criticize the very board he serves on, the board of Twitter. Now, in a response to a tweet that described, quote, the plots and coops that have played out in the history of Twitter, Dorsey replied with, quote, it's consistently been the dysfunction of the company. So, Dorsey calling out the board right there, saying it has been the dysfunction of the company for many past years. Now, he also responded to a tweet that said, quote, good boards don't create good companies, but a bad board will kill a company every time. And he responded to that tweet saying, quote, big facts. So it seems Jack Dorsey isn't all too fond of the Twitter board. In fact, maybe he's leaning over on Elon's side, thinks that Twitter should take the deal. Who really knows? Now, simultaneously, as he is pretty much calling out the board, you have Elon Musk amping up the ante here. He goes on to say, quote, board salary will be $0 if my bid succeeds. So that's $3 million per year saved right there. So Elon Musk pretty much saying, look, if I own the company, I'm not paying the board anything. So a lot going on here when it comes to Twitter. You have Twitter's past CEO, Jack Dorsey, calling out the company's board. And simultaneously, you have Elon Musk saying, look, I'm not paying you guys nothing if I buy this company. So a very interesting uh, line of tweets throughout the past few days. Now, shifting into this call from a Florida judge overturning the CDC mask mandate for planes in public transit. So a federal judge in Florida today pretty much said, look, to the Biden administration, you can't have this national COVID mask mandate on. The CDC overstepped its bounds on this, and therefore, this sucker needs to come off. Now, this comes just after the CDC extended this mask mandate by 15 days due to this new subvariant of COVID-19 called the BA2 variant. So, something to note there. So, really what we have here is a federal judge saying, look, you guys can no longer mandate this mask wearing on public transit and airlines any more. You cannot do this due to the fact that it is government overreach. Now, how does this pertain to the stock market? Well, it pertains, of course, to those airline stocks. Now, all of those airline stocks were trading down today. You had American Airlines down roughly 2.42%, Alaska down 0.46%, Southwest down roughly a percent, United down 2.5%. So a lot of the airlines down today, but these travel names, the airlines, the hotels, the casinos, have been all moving to the upside, especially last week. They really caught some power, and it's mostly due to this resurgence in travel. And now, due to this overturning of this mask mandate, some investors believe that this is good for the travel stocks because it allows people to travel even more, and it takes away some of that annoyance to traveling. So this is going to be something to pay attention to. Will it be used as a positive catalyst going ahead? Right now, it doesn't seem so. 
And then our final headline of the day. So we have digital funds seeking to launch a tokenized S&P 500 fund. So Digital Funds, which is a firm, has filed to launch a tokenized S&P 500 equal weight index fund, and it would pretty much invest in the same securities that are within the S&P 500 equal weight index. Now, this fund's original record of ownership, it will still be maintained in book entry form according to BlockWorks, but it is also going to be recorded through digital tokens on the Algorand blockchain. So this is some pretty big stuff. Now, this fund was founded by Michael Willis in December, and he told BlockWorks that registered digital securities are going to become, quote, the new de facto digital marketplace. He went on to tell BlockWorks, quote, until now, the registered digital securities marketplace has lacked a high quality, easy to price, immediately recognizable security. Therefore, adoption has been limited. We believe the approval of a marquee tokenized index fund has the potential to break adoption wide open. So, this is big for the blockchain believers, the everyone who has been researching this new blockchain technology that has been continually developed throughout recent years. This is going to be something to keep your eye on and pay attention to if this does get approved. It'll be interesting to see how adoption goes in the adoption of this index and the acceleration of adoption. So, so many, uh, honestly, cool concepts and I think interesting concepts coming out of blockchain technology, the cryptocurrency world. And honestly, it's just something and it's another industry to pay attention to. And I love bringing in these smaller headlines for you guys. But that is the show. I thank you all for listening to another episode of the Running With The Money Briefing. I hope you liked the new intro and we'll be back again tomorrow to cover the biggest headlines and biggest moments within the market. Easily profit, trade on, and I will see you tomorrow.